0: You missed England and you missed Ireland, but you settled here. And how many years have you been in in New York now? Uh,
1: 1953. nineteen fifty three uh
0: fifty-eight. And and you, have, how many children did you have, uh, Frank? Uh,
1: five altogether. Three five. born in England and two born in here. Okay.
0: And so you had five children. How many grandchildren have you got now? Nine. Nine grandchildren. I, I know your wife passed away a few years ago, so you have uh, f- four and a half. But you had do. a A good long, you had a long marriage and a long... Sixty. Sixty years. Yeah.
2: Welcome to Centerpiece NY. This is Paul Finnegan, presenter, producer, and creator of this podcast. We're doing things a little differently for this episode, as you will hear. This time, I've gathered some memories, along with the thoughts of some friends, the earliest participants in something called the Computer Club, which is a gathering of seniors and younger volunteers each Saturday morning at the New York Irish Centre in Long Island City in Queens. The club began in 2009, 13 years ago, and is still going to this day. At the club, with the help of volunteers, seniors get to explore the social connectedness and the other benefits that technology and the internet can give them in an unstructured and safe learning environment. But from its very outset, the club has been so much more than that. This episode is labelled Part 1 because it looks at the first era of the computer club, the early years. This could also mean we might return to this story again, a Part 2, after we've had more time to exhale. I say this because of a recent happening, which, for those involved in the computer club's early years, is big. One April Saturday in 2012, a decade ago now, a group of us, Computer Club seniors and volunteers, headed to a recording studio in Manhattan. A recording engineer named Connor Murphy generously allowed us to do some recordings of our seniors there, and lent his technical expertise to us on the day. At the start of this episode, you heard a snippet of one of the conversations from that day the one between Frank Gordon, a World War II combat veteran, and his interviewer, a fellow by the name of Porrick Feeney. Frank was one of the more colourful characters at the centre, if not the most colourful. In his capacity as a volunteer, you might say the same about Porrick. Incidentally, the name Porrick, as opposed to Podrig, is an alternate Gaelic version of Patrick and one which is most common in and around Galway and Mayo in Ireland. The studio recordings from 2012 were the brainchild of Rachel O'Donnell, who, like myself, is a big fan of something called StoryCorps, and she wanted the New York Irish Center's Computer Club to do its own little StoryCorps. So off we went to Manhattan.
0: And uh, you live in 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 uh, in, in Greenpoint now in, in yes, Brooklyn. is yeah. that where you? How long have you lived there, Frank?
1: Uh, I've been there um,
0: thirty-eight years, and that's you. Know, that's definitely home now. That's the longest place oh, you've been. Very
1: much so. And, I've never uh, been as long in any one place as here.
0: Yeah. And you you discovered the New York Irish Center in Long Island City as oh, well. Oh,
1: that was after my wife died, uh, and that has been the greatest boon. To me, especially in my stage of grieving,
3: yes. When I started the computer club, I didn't have any volunteers. I hadn't really thought that far ahead.
2: This is James McHugh, a Scotsman and a huge Glasgow Celtic fan. He's the one who got the computer club off the ground way back. He moved away from Long Island City a few years ago to Manhattan's Upper West Side.
3: It was sort of something I did really on a bit of a whim was to volunteer my services to help some of the seniors um, you know, learn computers or, or learn to send emails or whatever it may be. I, I had seen some of them trying to do this in the, uh, in the cafe area in the NYIC, which I was new to. I was new to the neighbourhood. And, um, you know, it seemed like there was a need there. I could see some people struggling. Anne Cosgrove, one day she turned up um, she had heard about the computer club. She came down, offered her services. She became a regular volunteer. And uh, she put the word out to the, uh, I think it was called the NYC organisation. And um, from there, we got a few more volunteers. Um, I think uh, Howard and Felicitas were, were one of the earliest ones. And, and so was Porig. I think we had, Porig predated the NYAC involvement. But anyway, he, I think he was probably maybe the second volunteer. And uh, he turned up and then he became a regular. And in those early days, we had a... Uh, we had a cafe area right there next to the, uh, where all the computers were um, so you know having cups of tea usually body's tea uh, and lots of biscuits and whatever the different volunteers had brought with them. Um, that was a big part of things. We had a, we had a sofa there and a couple of armchairs, and so it was really uh, you know quickly became not just a computer club but a social club too. As as more people got involved and uh, as we started to have some regulars, and and some my earliest memories of the computer clubs of the really fun uh, times were uh, often times it would be Porig and uh, Sean Finn would be sitting there on the sofa, and it was a little bit like watching a a chat show like the Late Late Show or something. I'm not sure which one of the two of them was the host but um, it kept the rest of us uh, highly entertained. Frank. So Frank Gordon was, uh, was a big character in the Computer Club. He um, he was probably one of the oldest people there and um, he would always come with a suit. He was always wearing a well-dressed suit and tie. He would always say hello to each person who was in the room as he arrived and he'd make sure to say goodbye to everyone individually when he was leaving at the end and um he had a lot of tall tales he he was um he was learning the violin he was sort of relearning um gaelic um and he was also he'd also joined the computer club and he wanted to um learn to, uh, how to use word he wanted to write his his life story he was writing his sort of biography and he he had an autobiography and he had a i think he had an english teacher as well in some other organization where she was helping him you know learn how to sort of become an author or a writer and um He loved Porig. He and Porig were, they were like the same, to me it seemed like they were like the same person, you know, 40 or 50 years apart. Um, uh, And, you know, Porig too was one of those people who, you know, he always had time for everybody and he would always um, make people feel really welcome and stuff. And he and Frank were were very similar in that regard. And um, it got to the point where Frank, when he arrived, pretty much the first thing he would say is, is Porig here? And if the answer was no, he would be a bit downcast. Uh, He was very fond of him. I said, I bet you can dance.
1: Well, she suited the action of the word and was on the floor dancing like a pair of drumsticks hitting the floor and the timing was wonderful. And she danced while the music played and the whole class stopped everyone that was listening to it. So I apologized to James for disrupting the class. No, he said, it's not all learning here. He said, you know, we socialize. And- yeah. Which is the great part
0: about it. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. James has been great, uh, you know, organizing the computer class and uh, really has, you know, done a great job with the yes. computer class. Yeah. yeah.
4: I first met Park Feeney at Maura Mulligan's Irish class in the New York Irish Centre way back in 2009, I think.
2: This is Karina Galvin from Castlebar County Mayo in Ireland, who resides in Woodside, Queens. But when you call her, she's usually in some airport in the U.S. or Europe always on the go with her job. She and a new crop of great volunteers continue to keep the computer club going, and there's still a couple of seniors in it from those earlier times.
4: At Maura's Irish class, Porrick introduced me to another student, Frank Gordon from Leitrim. Frank was a character and a true charmer. He told me he had just started attending the Saturday morning senior computer class, but Porrick had just started volunteering. Coincidentally, I told them that I'd be starting to volunteer there the following Saturday. And Cosgrove and Rory Van Damme from the Irish Network had just signed me up. It was run by James McHugh, a vegetarian Celtic supporter from Glasgow.
1: I I didn't actually propose to her, but I meant, uh, uh, Um. Well, she got the the drift of what I was on, and she says, "Been there, done that." And also, <laughs> that was case closed. Yeah. But her friend, I thought she was single, and I waited a long time before I um I did ask her for a date. And she said that we happened to be down in Atlantic City, and she said, "Not now, because I'm meeting my boyfriend." Did <laughs> was the first time I ever heard she had a boyfriend. <laughs> and it happened the boyfriend she had the boyfriend for eighteen years but nevertheless we're <laughs> friends right? that's good well friendships are very important, Frank at this stage oh, keeping me going I went to school when I was three, and that was i guess I learned more than academic subjects because we were in a co-ed school, and uh um, <laughs> that was uh, the start
0: of everything <laughs> yeah the, um,
1: the to, to to cater to me the, the put uh, seats used to hold two. And there was a lot of girls um, that were going to school. There was no employment. And unless they went emigrated immigrated to America at that time, there was no, um, uh, nothing for them to do. So they stayed in school. And they were beautiful young women, actually. And I was sat in between them, a tiny little fella. And I liked the smell of it, even though it wasn't perfume, it was mostly perspiration, but I got, uh, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I got a feeling that these... these An are early them. introduction. So, that um, I, <laughs> I was a long time before I started to learn anything. Yeah, I see. And to tell you the truth, I neglected my studies all the time I was at school because I was, had my mind on other matters. <laughs> All right,
4: yeah. Like Porik, I was looking to get involved in something in the community and meet some new people. And I found that in the New York Irish Centre. I guess we both did. We often talked about it, you know, down through the years of how it was such a big part of our life in New York. At the time, I had no idea how much my life would be impacted or how much it would benefit from helping out for three hours on a Saturday morning. Those three hours developed into so much more for me. Well, I guess for all of us. Paul, our dear leader, as we affectionately called you at the time, you had just taken over as Executive Director at the Centre and had started to introduce a whole new um, lineup of events. So we needed more volunteers and more people to help out. Joffa set the computer class, arranged a night for the Irish Network um, members to come out and visit the New York Irish Centre in Long Island City and give them the full tour and the full dog and pony show. You know, we talked about different upcoming events and had a sign-up form for everybody to fill out. And I remember when everyone left, Joe Flannery, God rest him, wasn't very hopeful that anyone would return, let alone come back and roll up their sleeves and help out, but we couldn't have been more wrong. That's where we met Howard and Felicitas Maxwell, or the Howards as they were known at the computer class, and so many more. Most of the members that night ended up helping out at the computer class, but others helped out at other events on the door in the bar, setting up, cleaning up, you know, whatever it took.
5: Felicitas and I were looking for a place where we could volunteer together when our friend Anne Crosgrove mentioned the New York Irish Centre in Long Island City, Queens.
2: This is Dubliner Howard Maxwell. He and his wife, Felicitas, moved to Budapest a few years ago
5: for career reasons. During the volunteer orientation, Paul Finnegan, the head of the New York Irish Centre at the time, mentioned as one of the options the Saturday Senior Computer Club meeting place where seniors could come, have a cup of tea, a biscuit, a chat and get their computer questions answered, which appealed to both of us. Uh, Maureen, Maureen was one of the seniors who
3: who really stands out in my memory. Um, She would insist on making two or three different types of sandwiches for all the volunteers. I remember early on, she was um, trying to fix up the volunteers, fix the volunteers up with each other, or find men for some of the young women that were volunteering and um, Porig was, I think, maybe the only male um, volunteer who was single at that point in time. So she was usually trying to fix people up with Porig, which was quite funny. I remember um, Tom was one of the, the regulars in the computer club. He came for a long time. Uh, he would always come in and check the, the stock price on his various different investments. I think it was some sort of retirement account or something. But in in his day, the, the, the computer club that day for him, the tone would be set by whether the stock price had gone up or down. So if it went up, he would be in a good mood. And if it went down, he'd be pretty grumpy. Um, and uh, I know Porig sat with him quite a lot. Um, I guess Porig being in finance, I probably thought you can help him sort of thing. There's a fellow who used to come along called Sean Finn. He would sit on the sofa with Porig, uh, you know, the sort of late, late show, uh, the two guys sitting on the sofa. And uh, Sean, Sean was an a unassuming person. He didn't want to take up the volunteer's time. He didn't want to get in the way. He was such a lovely guy. Uh, but he used to get on with Porig very well. And I remember at one point, uh, Porig actually got a laptop for, for Sean, like an old laptop from... It was an Irish laptop, I remember, because it had uh, the Irish... Um, money sign on it and uh he gave that to sean and sean would always say that you know he would never be very good with computers he would never really learn but when he got that laptop and he started using it from home um, he started to become really good you know he'd send emails and he'd do all sorts of basic stuff himself and he would still not give himself any credit for it but uh he did accomplish that and um that was part thanks thanks to pori
5: for getting that laptop james McHugh, Karina galvan and pori feeney were some of the volunteers we met Little did we know that it would be the start of wonderful and meaningful friendships. In the Saturday Computer Club were many characters over the years. Frank and Sean would entertain us every week with our stories of growing up in Ireland and started their new lives in New York City. Maureen with our famous tuna sandwiches, which she lovingly made her for the volunteers. And Tom with his weekly check of his investments online.
1: We would have starved to death on it had it not been for uh, the generosity of my um, father's two unmarried sisters that were in America. Wow. And uh, uh, they kept sending money home. And um, before De Valeri came in and put an embargo on uh, 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 secondhand clothes coming into Ireland, he wanted to um, establish Irish industry. And uh, my one of my aunts used to send home large packages of clothes that were all useful to um, uh, f- for there was a big family. I
0: guess you used to love to see the the, the postman coming
1: then those days. Uh... Well, I I, I didn't care. I was too young to care. But uh, my older sisters, uh, there used to be a lot of unfashionable clothes that be sent. And my father insisted that whatever came had to be worn, <laughs> and there was many jokes made later. I remember one time, my brothers got together, and a, a, a brother of mine, well, even if it it didn't happen, he'd compose it, <laughs> yeah. and he told about um, going to mass with the girls' high heels on them <laughs> and knee breeches, <laughs> uh, this was something that came in the package and it had to be used. So it wasn't, all, it wasn't always a blessing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see. You didn't have to wear in the girls <laughs>
0: clothes yourself, right, did you?
4: At the computer class, James had built up a big group of students at that time. We had two sessions for an hour and a half each. And, you know, they learned so much from us every week. But in return, we learned so much from them. You know, we heard all their stories about growing up in Ireland, the poverty, the hardship, especially from the older ones during the war, their journey to New York, their immigrant story. And, you know, we weren't long volunteering there when Google Maps was introduced. Um, They introduced their street view in Ireland. It was a momentous day for the computer class. Everybody got to see their, their home house and village virtually. It was fun to bring them up and down their country road or boring.
1: But we were near the border of Northern Ireland and I went across the border to a place called, very famous place, Belich. Oh where yeah. The, where the,
0: <coughs> the... China comes the from. China
1: comes from. And uh, I went to work for a farmer there and it was called being hired. And you hired for a period of time and I was hired for eight and a half months for £17, and my heap, my board and and lodgings.
0: And that was £17 for the whole eight and a half months? Yes.
1: And uh, I I happened to get into a good family. Uh, I was Catholic, but they were Protestant. But there was no differentiation between uh, either. Tony came up and he said in his very fast way to Did you eat Frank? And I said no I didn't. Well not to worry Tony went into the kitchen and h- hustled up a plate of chicken that tasted twice as good on a fast day. <laughs> and, uh, I, uh, <laughs> or a day of abstinence. <laughs> yeah. but I think abst- you'll be for- you'll be forgiven at this <laughs> stage Frank. But anyway Ever since I was in the British Army, I never kept abstinence. on <laughs> that or anything else that's considered <laughs> sinful, if I enjoyed it. <laughs> Good man, Frank. <laughs> <But> <laughs> and, of course, that also brings me to the volunteers in the, in the computer class. And, of course, one I met today was beautiful girl, Alison. And that makes me more eager to come and I'm a dad, I don't know too much because I'd be going for as far as the AENC. Well, <laughs> yeah. you're all great, you know. And it's not, Even the guys. It's not just because I'm speaking to you. No yeah, wasn't able to run. So he was left behind. And he said he saw a gun coming around the wall. And he just jumped up and he let go with his Tommy gun. It was only 20 rounds in it. But he shot this young German and he said, when I speak of death, it affects me. He said, he never was the same. The young German was only about 16. he said, that's what he looked like. He probably was more. And he thought if it was his own son, he thought the horrible thing that the whole world was right on that spot. He saved his own life. But he couldn't get over killing another man no more than if it was a full-grown man. It wouldn't affect us much. But it was a mere child that he shot. And he it, it felt as if it was practically a murder. He never got over it. I guess that's the trouble with war, Frank. It's a, it's a horrible thing. Well, start off with the bomb, and one bomb kills so many.
2: Frank lived to the age of 90, leaving the world a few days before Christmas in 2014. He had witnessed the brutality of war. And maybe this experience taught him to joyfully wring every moment out of the cloth of life. Or maybe, like Porik, he was just made that way. Porik, who left us on Sunday, March 6th this year, 2022, didn't make it to 90. He only got to 56. But he didn't waste a single moment of the precious life he lived.
6: Iris. Iris carries a baseball mitt, a symbol of Porik's time in America. Porick was always keen to bring any willing visitors to Shea Stadium or Yankee Stadium to support the Mets or Yankees. But as a Queens man, it was always Mets first.
3: Hi, Mark Kinsler here. I got to know Porick really well through those couple of years that we were there. I pulled together a Father Ted quiz night, which was really, really great fun. We did the episode that was with Gemma Craven, a very, very funny episode uh, where Father Ted had unfortunately got the wrong end of the stick with Gemma Craven's intentions. And uh, we did a lot of fun in terms of pulling that together and delivering it uh, to the seniors. I left in late 2010. Porik returned to Ireland back in 2014. Uh, I was in London for a couple of years and returned back in 2015 and I got to see him quite frequently. And, you know, Porik was a very sociable person, I mean, all of the volunteers who would come along uh, were really there to interact with people, right, and to, to meet other volunteers and to talk to the seniors and hear their stories. Um, so they came there with that mindset to varying to degrees. But Poirig was somebody who just seemed to find it really easy to, to connect with every single person in some way, you know, to make some sort of connection with them and be able to talk to them on their level. And he was always very interested in, in, in what people had to say. And so, you know, everyone was always fond of him, the volunteers or the, um, the seniors too. And uh, he, I remember when I, when I met him, you know, one of the things that came up in conversation was uh, the fact that I support Celtic, my uh, my family supports Celtic, and so I remember the the next week when he turned up, he had a, a Celtic top on. He was always wearing sports shirts, but I thought, you know, that was just such a nice touch that he was wearing the Celtic shirt, and he was sort of letting me know. Um, you know that we we got along, or that what I had told him had meant something to him, and I saw him do lots of little things like that with with lots of people. It was definitely a gift that he had, and it it had an effect on me. You know, I I tried to emulate some of that. Um, more so now, actually, when I reflect back than I did at the time, because I was always so so busy and so um overwhelmed trying to to juggle all the different things that were going on and make sure that everyone was um getting the help that they needed and so on. So, sort of trying to coordinate things uh, back in those days.
4: Eric was a firm favourite with them from the very start. He helped Frank Skype with his family at home in Leitrim and he helped Tom from Ruscommon check his stocks and see how his money was doing. And Sally had just started and brought her new iPad and he was able to coax all the neighbourhood news out of Betty and discuss politics with John Bowl And he was able to give Sean from Mayo his brother's old laptop. You know, and all this was done while we drank loads of cups of Barry's tea and mountains of jaffa cakes and chocolate digestives.
5: Horik Feeny always had a smile on his face, and was ever the gentleman. Once in a while, we would have uh, brunch afterwards.
3: Porig was always keen on having brunch afterwards. So there was a lot of nice restaurants in the area and he really enjoyed, um, you know, having good food and having new experiences uh, in that sort of context. There was a few occasions when one of the seniors would come along with us and we'd always have brunch together and that was always really nice. Porig was always um, updating stuff on Facebook uh, on his using his phone um, when we would have brunch after the computer club. And this, I feel like that, that he was doing that when, when other people were, were not quite there yet. You know, he was sort of ahead of the curve in that respect.
4: We all became best friends, actually, and we started going out for lunch after the class. And then Maureen from Dublin started bringing homemade ham and tuna sandwiches to the computer class. So then we looked for something other than lunch to do afterwards. There was always a match to watch, a new bar to check out with some freshly stocked local brews, a gig to go to, or a celebrity to meet and get a selfie with, in Pork's case anyway.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
6: Cormac carries a Galway jersey, representing Pork's love of Galway sports. Pork became a season ticket holder for both codes of Galway GAA when he returned from the US in 2014. He was inspired by his uncle and godfather, Sean Keaveney, who has attended every Galway Hurling game since 1975. We knew that Anne-Marie was, uh, was serious about Porrick when she was willing to attend lowly winter league games in drafty Pierce Stadium with him.
3: One time he told me he, 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 was, he was tired because he'd been up all night um, writing Christmas cards. And I can't remember if it was 90 or 110. It was some crazy amount of Christmas cards. And, you know, I said so. And he seemed sort of a bit shocked about taking aback that anyone would think that was a lot. That To him, that just seemed like a sort of a normal amount. And so, you know, I guess what I'm saying is that he did spend um, a lot of time uh, keeping in touch with people, keeping people updated, sharing what things that were happening in his life and being mostly being interested in them and, and what was happening with them. And so... You know, he really stood out as somebody who um, had a lot of time for other people and, and knew a lot of people uh, that he had to stay in touch with, but he clearly enjoyed it, you know, he, he clearly thrived on it.
6: Julia brings a signed Christie Moore record as a symbol of Porek's love of music. He was an avid listener, loved the sonic journey and also attended many live gigs. He created the soundtrack for our family and loved nothing more than listening to his favourite artist or discovering a new one. For instance, he was very comfortable evolving from a Tom Waits fan into a McFlannery Flannery
4: one. Parik and I became fast friends, sharing a love for music, everything from Mary Black and Paul Brady to Cork's favourites, Joni Carroll and Mick Flannery, and not forgetting I Draw Slow, or of course our teenage idols, The Saw Doctors. I don't think there was a gig that we missed, you know, um, anywhere in Queens or Manhattan. And then the sessions in the in the centre and in Murphy's and Skillman Avenue. Pork didn't only help out at the senior computer class. He was a hands-on volunteer and could be seen set in the hall for an event, carefully stacking chairs the Joe Flannery way after an event or shoveling snow. Whatever was needed, he was there and he did his part. Pork and I joined the board along with James and Howard, and even after moving home seven years ago, Pork stayed on as an executive board member and contributed to the growth and the strategy of the center, you know, from 3,000 miles away, often representing us at events on that side of the Atlantic.
1: Well, I wanna, but I can't stay. I want But I can't stay And it's always been the same Won't play that card again
5: After we all left New York, we kept in touch and spent a lot of time together, visiting each other. We would like to think that this Saturday Computer Club continues on in heaven with all these lovely people and Porik, and all the crack continues. Porik was a friend in the truest sense, and it was a privilege to be part of his inner circle. We lost a good friend in Porik. May he rest in peace. Godspeed, Porik.
1: We were sat between the cars and you sleep.
4: Park, we'll try to keep your spirit alive and your honour and honour you as best we can. And in the words of Mick Vannery, you were one of the good ones, Park, really. EOI, not this colour saw
2: hara you were a brother to me I'm so sad you had to go I am grateful now for just knowing you I'm thankful for what you gave me which was an abundance of goodness in so short a time thanks porek
1: I remember one night uh, I uh, my friend had, in a boil wasn't there nobody to ride home on the buswood and you drove me home to the house. It was an inconvenience for you. And I appreciate it. And I wanted to reward you on the spot and have a drink, but you declined.
0: Some other day, Frank, we'll have that drink.
1: Yeah, but I hear that you don't, don't uh, have no great tolerance for whiskey. <laughs> no tolerance for whiskey. No, yeah. no, no. no. me <laughs> I'm all right, me either. Am I right when I'm sitting at home safe and sound. But I, I never could drive a car, I? never wanted it. No, no. No, I no, wouldn't encourage anybody. Oh, else. God, no. no.
0: No, no, no. We'll have that drink, Frank.
3: Just before we finish, I return to the image of that field, or to the fields, and I want to speak directly, lovingly to Pori, quoting the poet Rumi, out beyond ideas of right and wrong, there's a field. I'll meet you there, Park. Is that it? That's done?
0: We're done. It. Okay. Yeah.
5: yeah. Right. So they, they just.
0: Yeah. 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 All right. Frank, that was great.
7: Thanks for the dance. I'm sorry. You're tired. The evening hardly begun. Thanks for the dance.
2: You can learn all about this podcast at centerpieceny.com. That's C-E-N-T-E-R-P-I-E-C-E-N-Y dot com. There you'll find the show notes for this episode, with some interesting links to other things, like the full, unedited 2012 interview between Frank and Porrick. Finally, as you heard Karina say, so Ihu wa agaskulasov. That's a Gaelic phrase we were taught in school, and one that Porik loved to use. It translates roughly as good night, sleep tight.
7: We don't need to go any deeper. Thanks for the dance, I hear the dance. T- they're married one, two, three, one, two, three, one. Thanks for the dance and the baby you carry. It was almost a daughter or a son, and there's nothing to do but to wonder if you are a soul. Joined in the spirit, joined at the hip, joined in the panic, wondering if we've come to some sort of agreement. was late as a feather Thanks. Thanks for the dance It was hell It was swell It was fun